It's, it's, it's time to talk that talk, and we talk it like no one else. This is the stinking truth. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Welcome into the Stinking Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside my partner, Mike Evans. Uh, I gotta start this off right away. Um, our picks against the spread last week. I went three and one. You, the loser that you are, went one and three, which makes my lead insurmountable. You cannot catch me. I can't unless we want to. Unless I can press. Can I press? <laughs> can you? Well, like well, in golf, can I press? All right, we'll have to discuss huh? that. Well, that will be something we will discuss in next podcast. All right, that sounds when good. When we make the picks, you can press, and uh, we'll see exactly how that works yeah. out. We're gonna have to come up with something. And and further proof of what Mark likes to brag about: how he's a good loser, but a really bad winner. After every game this week that I lost, <laughs> immediately it was like, me one, you zero, I just loser. Wanted, I just and he's want, sending loser pictures. Right. And, I just wanted to make sure that you were aware of kind of the competition that yes, was going on. Yes. The internal competition yes. as we were watching the divisional round of the playoffs kind yes. of play out. Yes. I just want to make sure you knew exactly where you stood. So I believe that I am seven and three overall. And you are three and seven oh, overall. That's bad. Is, is that's how bad. it worked out. That's no, no, bad. no. You're four because you want you went two and no. Yeah, you are three and seven. I'm I'm seven and three. You knew that all along. You just wanted to just yeah, drive just the point to... home a little bit more. I do want to give you credit. You did. You said right from the start you liked the Chiefs. Yeah. When I think a lot of people felt like it's this was Buffalo's time. Why did you like the Chiefs so much, and why ultimately did they win again? Well, listen, I thought defensively the Chiefs were a much better football team. They got worn out. Physically, they got worn out. Now, in that fourth quarter, if you go back to that fourth quarter, you know, the, here's one thing I don't understand about coaching staffs in general. I am not going to quit doing something until you – change what I'm doing until you make me get out of it. They were absolutely thunder punching the Chiefs in the middle of the football field. They were running seven, eight yards per carry. Just a little, I mean, little mid-zone cutback stuff was absolutely destroying, and they were using an extra offensive lineman. Why would you ever get out of it? You know, so many coaches in today's NFL, and even in my time in the NFL, Look at that. Look at like, hey, eventually they're going to adjust. So let's adjust before they do. Mm -hmm. Why? I am going to like I am. I'm from this old school mentality where if I am beating the shit out of you, I'm going to continue to beat the shit out of you until you do something about it. It's like rubbing it in when I'm winning. <laughs> like I'm going to continue yes. to do it. You know, like I don't understand that process of getting out of that. Now, in the fourth quarter, the Chiefs made a couple of plays in the backfield for minus – they had a minus two and I think a minus four on two opening drives. And then they just started throwing the ball. Mm -hmm. Like, I'd come right back to what I've been doing. So when you get a minus two, you know what the Chiefs are thinking? There's no way you're going to run the ball again on us. So they're going to play soft. They're going to try to take their linebackers and drop them at 14 yards quickly. I'm coming right back to it. I'm going to try to bludgeon you. When I can. And I thought they got away from that. And I thought they panicked in that fourth quarter. And they just said, hey, Josh Allen, go win us a football game. 
You know, and I, I get all the people out there, well, they Josh Allen's not the problem. No, you're right. Josh Allen's not the problem. The fact that you rely completely on Josh Allen in a team sport is the problem. And that comes down to coaching. And and I got people that said, oh, well, they had a couple of drops. Yeah, like you're, you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. They had more drops than anybody in the National Football League and still found a way to get here. Now, they made great adjustments, Kansas City did, and they found a rhythm and almost flipped the switch when the playoffs came around. But that comes down to confidence for me. Like there is one team that just knows regardless of what goes down, we're going to make a play when it counts. And there's one team that wonders if they can make a play when it counts. And that's Buffalo versus Kansas City in a nutshell. And that's why I truly had so much confidence in Kansas City going into this game. And I think the mistake that a lot of us made was we we made such a big deal about, oh, Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs team has never played a road playoff game. Almost like that it would, I, I don't know, that they would they would shrink Right from the the challenge, right, and and they, mm-hmm. that was probably the biggest mistake we, a lot of us made was well they've gotten so used to playing these home games at Arrowhead they're not going to be able to handle right. playing on the road where I guess we should have shown faith and understood this is a team with all that they've accomplished is going to really relish the yeah. opportunity yeah. the challenge of going into a place like Buffalo and winning yeah the only thing that shrunk from being on the road and in the cold was their man region. That will get some shrinkage. Yes. But for the rest of them, man, they don't that doesn't affect them. No. I mean, they've played and I I know I I know that they have played the Super Bowls in neutral site, right. but they've been on the road before and let's face it. Like they are what since Patrick Mahomes took over, 6 straight years they've been to the AFC Championship game. Six straight years, Crazy. and they've got two Super Bowl wins and one Super Bowl loss. I mean, let's let's just face it. Let's let let's. This is what they do. Mm-hmm. They're not shrinking. Like every time they play a team on the road, every time regular season, it's that team's Super Bowl. Yeah, they're getting everybody's best shot every week. They are battle tested. Joe Gibbs used to say it all the time. He'd say, hey, "Guys, we are battle tested. We are calloused." Nothing affects us. And, you know, you start hearing that enough and you start playing in those situations enough. You know what you become? You become battle tested. You become calloused. You don't care anymore. It's like you almost relish the opportunity. Let's go on the road and shock some people. Let's go us against the world and let's go prove what we are. And I thought I thought they did that. I thought they did a great job of attacking the middle of the football field, both running the ball, the Chiefs did, and throwing the ball against linebackers that had been injured. Um, and when they had to have some plays defensively, they made plays. What makes this defense so good? If you had to look at this defense, what's the defining trait of this defense, because hey, let's face it, for a long time this season, mm-hmm. this defense was was carrying that that offense. Sure, and I think, how they do it. I think, I think you've got stars, even though they may not be name stars, because you know Patrick Mahomes stardom and and Kelsey, and that's what this team is na- known for. But I think you've got like stars at every level of your defense. I think Bolt in the middle linebacker is a star. 
Obviously, Chris Jones is a star. And he's got complimentary guys around him. Carl Loftus can really play. And then you've got Snead on the back end and a nickel corner that's as good as it gets. Like, you've got guys that are as good as it gets. Think about the the, the um, oh, the hips don't lie guy. Uh, Shakira? Yeah. 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 Like, th- that dude scored the first touchdown given up by Snead yeah. on the season. Was in that in that game in the end zone in Buffalo there, uh, and it was still had to be a heck of a throw and a heck a, of a catch. Unbelievable, tiny window. Yeah, unbelievable throw, great catch. But you know they've got they've got stars at all three levels of that defense. Um, I think their their defensive play callers is as good as it gets. But they got they got kind of punched in the mouth early in that game and throughout the first three quarters of that game. But what happened in the fourth quarter when they had to make plays? They made one. You know they made they made plays at the end. They created those negative rushes. They created some opportunities in the red zone. They they stopped and and forced Buffalo to kick a field. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you know for all those that like, oh, it's wide right, dude. You're gonna you're gonna leave a minute and thirty plus seconds left on the clock. You don't think Patrick Mahomes is gonna drive them down and they're gonna kick a game winning field goal with six seconds left, or they're gonna score a touchdown with? Six? Of course they were because that's who they are. So where are we at with Buffalo? What's the what's the takeaway? Where does Buffalo go from here? I mean, just an absolute yeah. soul-crushing gut punch of a loss. This was supposed to be the year. We were at home. The momentum was mm-hmm. with us. Kansas City was vulnerable, and yet it's the same old, same old. Where do they go from here? Yeah, uh, it's an interesting question. I think you look at their 6-6 six and six start, and what – what transpired from that six and six start? All of a sudden, they fire an off offense coordinator. They promote Joe Brady. They start becoming balanced. Where all of a sudden, Josh Allen isn't throwing it forty times a game. He's throwing it 24, 25 times a game. They're running the football. They're doing some things differently. And what happened? They start winning. They put a streak together. It had nothing to do. Apologies to Buffalo. It had nothing to do with throwing people in the pit of despair. That that wasn't it. It was the way they were calling plays, the way they were taking some of that load off of Josh Allen. So many times that Josh Allen gets into a game, he has to throw it 40-plus times. What happens? Well, you know that you have to make a play in those situations that that the entirety of the organization relies on you. So there are going to become times when you play hero ball, when you throw it into a window that you just flat shouldn't throw it into. And some of those things are going to happen to you and that's exactly what transpired probably midway through the third quarter into the fourth quarter is you started getting away from what you had been doing that got you that lead, that dominated the line of scrimmage, that did some of those things, and you started relying way too heavily on your quarterback. And I understand why you do because I understand how great he is. Right. So then you have to ask yourself, <clears throat> is Sean McDermott the right guy? Like, are there coaches just like are there quarterbacks or are there players that only have, like, a a ceiling? And then all of a sudden, you know, they can't get beyond that ceiling. Is that a head coach? And you mentioned this to me this morning, and it really resonated with me. Is he – and this is – because this sounds offensive, and John Fox is a good friend of mine. Like, I love John Fox. But is there a certain, for lack of a better guy, a certain ceiling to Sean McDermott? The idea being this guy can get you 
you know, all the way to the precipice, but he can't get, get you over the, the top. And we talk about yep. that with different players yep. in different positions, uh, especially the quarterback position. Is this one of those situations where we're talking about that in the coaching profession? He can get you right up to there. I thought the third, I thought the fourth, the fourth down fake punt call from his own 35 with Patrick Mahomes on the other sideline. Stupid. Mm-hmm. That was a, it was a desperation call. Now, you sit and you think to yourself, well, well, listen, man, the analytics say, you know, I keep hearing all that. Analytics say this and analytics say this. You know what it says to to your football team to me is I'm panicking. I'm panicking. And I got to get, like, I don't trust my defense. I'm pan- I don't trust. And I just, I just don't agree with that philosophical approach to, fo- you don't, you don't give Patrick Mahomes in that offense the ball with 35 yards or 40 yards to go for a touchdown. You just don't. Right. Now I know it, it worked out because they had the they had the Hardman fumble out out of the end zone, which came back to them. But I just don't I don't believe in that football call. Well, are you at a point right now with the with the Bills because it it's not flattering? You've got you know wise guys like you know me on the radio. Saying that Josh Allen's now Philip Rivers. Mm-hmm. Wins a lot of games, puts up numbers, but can't win the big one. So you're not going to get rid of Josh Allen. You're not going to completely break sure. down the roster. So if you're talking about trying to get the Bills over the hump, what's the one variable you can try mm-hmm. that's different? It's a new coach, yeah. especially when you got the Bill Belichicks of the world out there, the Jim Harbaugh's. There might be that idea that, hey, Sean McDermott took us to a certain level. I, I used earlier with you, I used the Bulls with the great Bulls teams and mm-hmm. Michael Jordan. They had Doug Collins. Good coach, okay? But there seemed to be a ceiling as to what they could accomplish with him. Yeah. They they put him aside. They bring in Phil Jackson, dynasty. So I wonder if the, the Bills, if they're going to get it done with Josh Allen, if they've now arrived at a point where maybe they got to go in a different direction. Yeah, that would be interesting. Um I think the other thing, you know, I was a part of an organization here in Denver that relied entirely on John Elway dragging teams to Super Bowls and then getting lambasted in said Super Bowl. And I was part of this team in Denver when Mike Shanahan basically told John Elway, hey, man, you want to win a championship? Then we have to change our approach to the way we play this football game. And we got to take some of the onus off of your you, and we got to take some of that weight off of your shoulders, and we got to support you, and like you have to let me coach in this fashion. And can a guy who hasn't done that style of coaching, who has basically said, "Hey, it's all on you, Josh. You lead us to the promised land. You take us there." It, can that guy all of a sudden be the same guy that come to you and go, hey, man, we got to change the right. way we do things? Like, I don't know what the answer is, and I like Sean McDermott. I think he's just, he's a hell of a football coach. But um, you got to make a decision as an organization of, of what you're going to have to do because, listen, as great as, as as Josh Allen is, and he is great, you know what he's not? He's not Patrick Mahomes. It's and, just the way it is. And Patrick Mahomes isn't going anywhere. Right. Patrick Holmes is has, 28 years old. That's scary. And been to six straight By AFC way, championship how games. How scary is that for the rest of the, <laughs> well, I was well, going we to say the AFC. 
about the, the rest of the NFL. This is a guy who's been to six straight AFC championship games. He's not 29 yet. Yeah. He's just now theoretically entering his prime. Yeah. Good freaking luck, yeah. everybody. Right. Uh, well, but Baltimore, boy, that's a that's a salty football team. <laughs> Man. I mean, hey, you want to talk about a team that's just like, what's what's the, what's the thing you love to say? Here it is, come get a taste? Yeah, come they get are a the taste. Come get a taste football team, both sides of the ball. You know, it's funny because you, you, you spend enough time hanging around this league and doing what I do for a living and, you know, you develop relationships. And one of the guys I've got a great relationship with is John Harbaugh. You know, I, I'll text back and forth to John on occasion. I love John Harbaugh. Um, man, there is, there is a disrespect card played in Baltimore in general about what time slots we get on television how often we're on national television, you know, all this and that. Um, and, you know, our quarterback is, you know, a running quarterback, and he isn't able to, you know, he's not had playoff success. And, man, you want to talk about the disrespect cards that are just plastered all over Baltimore and all over that Baltimore Ravens organization, and they play it up to the hilt. But let me just tell you this about Baltimore, all right? You can say whatever you want. They are going to line up and try to kick your ass. And I'm, that was like, whoa, watching them beat up on Houston, even though it was 10-10 after, at halftime. I was like, this is just about ready to be a bludgeoning, a bloodletting, because they are so physical. And, and I will tell you, and this will be the interesting thing, is how does Kansas City alter what they do offense offensively based upon Baltimore's defense because this reminds me of my time in Denver going to Kansas City and it really had to do with with not only Derek Thomas and Dan Saliamua and some of the players they had they had a great back end and a really good defense um, but more than anything it had to do with that environment playing Kansas City and Mike we would literally go down go out to Kansas City, and we would eliminate probably 35% of our playbook and just shit-can it because you can't run it. And when you watch Baltimore, why not? Crowd noise, their ability to rush the passer, their ability to get a jump on you. Um, Like, the one advantage you have as an offensive player is snap count. Take away snap count advantage. If you watch that game, you saw – I mean, at one point in the first quarter, I believe, I believe uh, the Houston Texans had seven procedural, you know, unforced errors. They had seven. They had five or six uh, false starts on offense. That like they had all these issues, and that's aggressiveness on the defensive side, and two things: aggressiveness and and the crowd noise. That, I mean, that crowd was at full throat. So mm-hmm. you get into these situations, and the one advantage we have as an offense is we've got cadence on you. We've got snap count on you. Now you take away that advantage, and your athletes are better than our athletes up front, you know, as far as offensive line versus defensive right. line and blisters and all that kind of stuff. So you got to take your your whole playbook, and you got to pare it down and what we can realistically run. And that's hard to do. As an offense, especially when you're fairly arrogant, 
Like we've had success at whatever, regardless right, of what we've right, done. Right. So that's all. Like we used to just go in and go, hey guys, we're gonna shit can this, this, this. We're gonna throw out all seven step drops, five step drops with multiple hitches. Throw those out. I mean, that like our whole game plan. We're gonna focus on, you know, basically three runs that we're gonna run. Like it, it was really limited comparatively speaking to what normally we went on the road and, and did. And the other thing that makes them exceptionally tough is not only the ability to f- just physically beat you up, but they are so multiple with their pressures. Their pressures will come from every edge, in the middle, doesn't matter. Uh, Queen and, and Roquan Smith are as fast and athletic a linebacking core as you will ever see anywhere in the NFL. Their edge players can really play. They're great blitzers. And the simulated pressures, they kill you with simulated pressure. So when you turn a protection or you go to a certain guy, um, you know, they'll bring people off the other edge, and they are so connected. I think McDonald is their defensive coordinator. They're so connected that they really do a great job of getting free runners at your quarterback and there's not a whole lot you can do about it. So the, one of the things that you almost have to do, in my opinion, is you have to call your protections in the huddle and almost call it and live with it. You know in, in today's NFL where we want to repoint the mic and reestablish right, where right. we're going, say, hey, man, call it and run with it, and, and you're going to be, you know, you're going to be one to two hot and almost have to put in more of a um, – more of a – blitz side adjust type of offense, some stuff that we ran back in the day to essentially to to make that work, which is easy. It's easy to say. It's hard to do because everybody wants to adjust it because everybody wants to be perfect. You're never, you're, against Baltimore, you won't be perfect. So it's better to at least have them questioning where you're going. When they can read your protections and know what you're doing, they're going to kick your ass. I mean, it's just the way it is. So we'll dive deeper into Kansas City and, and Baltimore later on in the week uh, here on the on the podcast. Over in the NFC, San Francisco, eh, concerned, surprised, mm. red flag that it was that much of a struggle where <laughs> they did something that they haven't done with Kyle Shanahan. That is rally. Yeah. From from seven down in the fourth quarter to come back and win. We told you right here on the Stinking Truth podcast why they have had a tough time in those situations. It's not how they're built offensively. They don't get in static formations. And I thought Greg Olson made made a, a great point in calling the game about how Brock Purdy has operated out of out of shotgun, you know, gun empty. And he really did a good job out of gun empty, but that's I, I will tell you right now, as far as route runners are concerned, they're not the greatest of route runners. They're not. They're That's not how they're built. And part of that is probably the fact that they haven't done a lot of it compared to the way they are built, which is run the football, set up all our play action, motion, shift, get edges, run the football, and then create mismatches in the passing game off your play action game. And all of a sudden, when that wasn't working for them, man, to be able to get into gun and have, you know, your quarterback actually operate in those situations, and it was squirrely at best. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there was 
a ball that went right through a DB's hands. It hit him right in the hands, and it, you know, through would have been a pick six. It was squirrely at best, but you got to give Brock Purdy a ton of credit. I think the other thing that happened to San Francisco probably more than it did to um, to Baltimore is that rhythm, that rust aspect of of what they do. Um, I think really, I think week 18 really kind of hurt them. And not only did they not play a lot of guys week 18, um, but they went completely vanilla. So they didn't do what they normally do because they thought that they might be seeing, they thought they might be seeing the Rams here on championship weekend. So that was one of the things that they were concerned about. And, um, I just like those things hurt them. I, I will say this, and it'll be interesting to see if Detroit takes some of what Green Bay did and tries to execute that in this NFC Championship game. And what I mean by that, you can tell a lot about how a team feels about you based upon the way they game plan against you. Think about how many quick throws, how many three step drops, how many five step drop, no hitch. They got the ball out of Jordan Love's hands quickly to their receiving core, got the ball out quickly and and moved off of that stuff. And then how many times they got outside with the pin and pull game where they motion a receiver in and crack on a D end and get away from that defensive ends and make those defensive tackles and defensive, make that defensive line run. Let's make them run because we know how much, how apt they are to rotate guys. They want to rotate and rotate and rotate. Let's make those dudes run their asses off. Let's make them shuffle guys in and out in this weather. And and that was really strong game planning, in my opinion, by Matt LaFleur of basically saying, if we sit here in a drop-back game, we're going to get our asses kicked. But kudos to their offensive line because they held up. They did a really great job. Kudos to the game planning, getting on the edge of that San Francisco defense, being able to pin those guys to where they're not setting up edges, and the guy they attacked. The guy they attacked in the passing, and they got in three wide formations, and knowing that Diamondor uh, Lenore is going to move into the nickel and Ambry is going to play corner. And Ambry's a guy who has struggled, and they attacked the crap out of him. Two PI penalties that they went after him. Um, stayed away for the most part of Ward, stayed away from uh, Lenore on the inside, and went after 20 Ambry. So, um, Ambry Thomas, excuse me. So that's that's the direction they went, and and I thought they did a really good job game planning, um, and San Francisco did a great job of of rallying at the end of being that number one seed and being able to to find a way to win. So they'll play Detroit, and again, what a great great atmosphere in Detroit, oh, watching them win, and boy, it's just you could just feel like that cathartic type feel that's going on in Detroit you know it's just people have been waiting since you know 91 for them to mm-hmm. win a playoff game and now go to the championship game let first me, time let, since let 92 you, when they let, played yeah, you guys yeah let me ask you a question yeah so you know Buffalo is sitting here right now like this season was for not right we, we like this is the worst thing that could possibly happen right in Detroit it is cathartic they hadn't won a game in the playoffs since the 91 season slash 92 playoffs. Have they 
Like even it, if it, if they lose, yeah. it's still it's like even if well, like, like Houston, Houston, Green Bay. There's no. I think I'm speaking for Houston and, and Green Bay fans. There's no sense of um, gloom and doom. Gloom right? and doom, and this like is a it, gut punch yeah. loss because the future looks bright for you guys, right? <laughs> so in the case of Houston yeah. and, and um, Green Bay, and I think for Detroit, don't you that Detroit goes into this game with San Francisco? It's the proverbial house money. Yeah, you know, for what they've accomplished, two playoff wins. This is gravy now. I agree. I agree. Although I just know Dan Campbell well enough to know that's not no, the but attitude. I'm giving you the fans. Yeah, perspective. yeah. That's. I mean, they'll be they'll be ready. They'll be ready to play. It'll be really really interesting to see Detroit offensively. Man, they they are really good. Um, do a great job, very much like San Francisco does, of changing personnel. Finding matchups and and mismatches in their personnel um, to get after you, um, and then controlling the middle of the football field. And I told you this middle of the season. I thought Jared Goff is one of the best quarterbacks I've watched at just dominating in between the numbers mm-hmm. in the middle of football field and making tight window ballsy throws, just ballsy throws. And he did it again in that game. He was tremendous, um, just absolutely dealing within that game against Tampa Bay. Against, remember now, you're talking about linebackers who can flat run in that Tampa Bay system. Um, I thought he did a a tremendous job doing that. And, um, and, you know, ultimately, defensively, they did enough, which that's how they're built. They're not, and they'll tell you, we're not the most talented defensive football team. Uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson coming back has really helped them from an attitude and and kind of swagger standpoint. But to be frank, minus Hutchinson, they don't have another guy that threatens you, that really scares you. Um, a gleam is a good guy, a, a good player. Um, a a, a, a game. I, I can't remember how to say his name exactly, but... Uh, he's a he's a good a really good player, um, but I, I just think there's a lot of you look at you look at them. Hutchinson can really rush the passer. Can, is a really like, but after that, there's nobody else that threatens you up front. So like that's that's an issue for them. Yeah, I think if you look at even Tampa fan, you, you got to mm-hmm. look at this this season as a, a huge success because coming off. Tom Brady had the big cap sure. hit. You took the flyer one year, four million on Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. That worked out to the point where Baker's got to be yeah. a re-sign right yeah. there in in Tampa. So it's it's funny. We just got done with four games over division weekend, and I in the case of three of the fan bases, I think there's a a real sense of hope and excitement moving forward. Aleem McNeil. Okay. Aleem McNeil, 54. To to feel good. It's driving me crazy. But in the case of ball, the only the only fan base that's like kind of wondering, you know, what what where do we go from here? It's it's Buffalo. Nobody, I don't think any other fan base felt like their loss was a gut punch. No, I mean think about most people thought Tampa's gonna win four games this year, right? They're gonna move on to Baker Mayfield. They're in camp, you know, they're in cap purgatory and all the and and yet here they are. You know, in the second round of the playoffs, with a chance in that game, um, and you know, I think they they feel like, hey man, Baker Mayfield can take us 
you know where we're going and yep. um and we're only going to get better and and in that and, division yeah in that know? division yeah absolutely we still have a really good defense so um yeah i think there's a, a lot of a, a lot of things to look at with tampa and feel really good about where you are so we'll we'll dive into the championship games mm-hmm. later on in the week but and i'll give you the option of of changing your mind between now and then but if you as you sit here right now right who do you like on championship weekend i um i like san francisco but i'm not like i'm i'm concerned and i am concerned about kind of the way they played i almost feel like playing that way and getting that one out of your system might in in finding a way to win it might actually be a good thing for them Because I think they're a lot better football team than what they showed in that particular outing, um, and then I I just like I like Baltimore's physicality. I like what they're doing on the defensive side. But again, I will tell you that man, it's hard to it's hard to bet against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, but I would take sitting here right now. I would take Baltimore and San Francisco. That the, those are the two teams that I well, think that are gonna... apparently is what the script writers have already uh, preordained, right? Yeah. With the colors of the logo and yeah. everything like that. So it's like if three years in a row. Stuff. It's like three years yeah. in a row where it's just gonna the colors of the Super Bowl logo uh-huh. are the two colors that you know that the teams represent. Although for every anybody who thinks that the fix is in the script writers, the fix is in for Kansas City when they overturn that McCall Hardman fumble. fumble. Yeah, that's where I was like, woo. Because most of us were probably thinking, watching it, like, they're not going to overturn that. It's the Chiefs. Right. You know, the officials are always looking out for the Chiefs, but not in this case. So when that happened, I was like, ooh, okay. Yeah. Maybe this is a fair fight. Right. Yeah, well, that one was, I don't think you can overturn. I mean, that one, definitely the ball looked like it was out. So I don't, I don't think even the script writers couldn't rewrite that <laughs> oh, one. Oh, they could. Could they? They could. They could. Yeah, that's probably a good point. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, what a what a trim- you know it, it, this weekend did not disappoint. Never right? does. We always say divisional round of the playoffs is the best round of the playoffs. It did not disappoint. It was incredible. But I'm telling you what, the matchups we got are the right matchups: Detroit, yep. San Francisco, Kansas City, Baltimore. Yep. Those are the right matchups, and those are the 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 honestly, those are the four best teams in the National Football League right now. And so I'm telling you what, I'm excited for uh, championship weekend. All right. All right. For everybody involved in the Stink Truth Podcast, we thank you so much for being a part of us. Uh, make sure you download, subscribe, do all the things that you do. We appreciate you. For Mike, I am Mark. I am winning. He is losing. Uh, never forget that. We'll talk to you guys later on in the week.